welcome to Appearance Matters, the podcast, the Appearance Psychology podcast brought to you by the Centre for Appearance Research, a world-leading research centre based at the University of the West of England in Bristol, investigating everything related to the psychology of how we look. I'm Nadia. And I'm Jade. And today we're talking about representation in advertising, specifically why it matters and how we get there from the business point of view, really. It's kind of a bit like your PhD, Nadia. It is a bit. It's <laughs> yeah. a bit. I know we've been this about this a little bit, but how's that going? Um, <laughs> um, getting there. It's getting there. It's getting there. You know what? It's not my finest work, but uh, I hear done is better than perfect, and I'm kind of at the stage where I'm bored or stressing out about it. I'm like boring myself about getting like worked up. So perfection anyway. can be the biggest demise of people sometimes. Yeah, with those I mean, things. I mean, I think it's a far cry from perfection, but <laughs> to be honest. But who is? Well, then. exactly. So um, anyway, yeah, it's nearly it's nearly done. Good. It's nearly done. Well, good work, by the way. Thank you, and you, and you. We're doing a great job. We're all just chipping away. I know. (laughs) (laughs) Out here trying, you know. (laughs) Um, Anyway, today's episode, so I'm so excited because I think um, it's a little bit different to what we've kind of spoken about before on the podcast. So we're going to be hearing from Dr. Rebecca Swift, Global Head of Creative Insights at Getty Images. We'll also hear from Hannah Burns, Dove's Global Marketing Manager, and Philippa Diedrichs, Professor in Psychology here at the Centre for Appearance Research. And as you're here, we're centering today's conversation on Project Show Us, a multi-award winning global collaborative project between Dove, Getty Images and Girl Gaze. So yeah, we'll hear a lot more about the project in detail from Hannah, Rebecca and Philippa. But as a quick overview, Project Show Us is the world's largest photo library created by women and non-binary individuals from all over the world, redefining beauty in their own terms, which is great. Yeah, yeah, the images are incredible. And I think what's really exciting about this project to me is the ambition to create industry-wide change rather than it just being about a single brand uh, doing something for brand differentiation. And then... And then in turn, I think there's the piece of the potential impact this can go on to have. So it's exciting to think about the way this could really help shift the corporate visual landscape and then in turn how that changes how people feel about their bodies. Yeah, right. And I think this is actually a bit different as well to how we normally talk about advertising and body image, which is generally pretty negative, let's be honest. Just looking at the research... We have decades worth of data showing that exposure to very narrow, idealised images is detrimental and quite harmful to people's body image. And while a lot of this research has focused on teenage girls and young women, the negative impact of unrealistic, highly gendered appearance standards applies to all people of all genders, ages, all ethnicities, all that kind of intersectional groups there. Yeah. Yeah, and we've discussed this on the podcast before, but as a quick refresher, two core mechanisms that we look at in the research that underlie this association between looking at unrealistic idealised images and poor body image are internalisation and social comparison. So internalisation refers to how much you subscribe or buy into these ideals. So how how strongly you believe it's important to resemble this very narrow view on beauty And then social comparisons, it's kind of like it says on the tin, but the idea here is when you compare your appearance to someone who you believe is or perceived to be better looking than you in some way, uh, more beautiful, whatever, when you make that social appearance comparison, then you kind of end up feeling rubbish. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think it's kind of important to 
think about it as well in terms of this could be your whole appearance so that person is like more beautiful because of all of these things or it could be like specific things when you really hone in and zoom in on like a particular aspect of someone's appearance it could be like that person you know zooming in on someone's legs or skin like their complexion is better like god look at their skin their skin so i'd love my skin to look like that and it's that kind of process which we kind of do automatically but that process if you kind of do that too much you can then and that could be why as well sometimes traditional media like when I say that like magazines and mm-hmm. tv advertisements can be quite detrimental because they do tend to cut particularly women up into body yeah. parts like yeah they you do, see yeah. their legs and so it's quite a direct thing you see their legs and then you have that comparison there yeah you just see that cut out bit yeah. of like someone's stomach or or their clear skin yeah really like zoomed, zoomed in. in yeah yeah, that, yeah. So, um, yeah. And that's the same on social media, to be fair, as well, isn't it? And Very like, true. People like zoom in and stuff. Yeah. So it's worth mentioning that these two mechanisms are interconnected. It's plausible that the more you internalise appearance ideals, the more you compare yourself. I mean, yeah. that makes sense, yeah. really. Similarly, the more you find yourself comparing your body to others, it's plausible that you can actually start to become more certain in your belief that being thinner or more muscular, etc., all those kind of yeah, appearance yeah. ideals, is better which so you start internalizing more like that you buy into that ideal yeah more, right? the more you're comparing yeah. yourself the more you're buying into it or the more you buy into it the more you're comparing yourself makes sense yeah, yeah. which means when you look at all of these idealized images then and you do those, those both of those things are happening at the same time there's a lot not, going on yeah it's a lot going on and then it's not surprising you end up feeling a bit low and a bit not so great about your own body image and if that happens just one time and you look at like one set of images at one point in the day if you then kind of think about it about over the course of the day and how many times you're looking at images over the course of the day and then over the course of the week and then over the course of the month and Mm -hmm. then over the course of the year like it like it just all seeps in and it's just a lot of pressure yeah this isn't a case of chicken or egg this is just one tiny thing can spiral into a lot of negative thoughts feelings emotions and that can be quite detrimental obviously yeah and then so the, and I think that's like when we're like, thinking about advertising bringing it back is you know what I'm actually going to pull in a bit of my PhD here Jay because I've, go I've, on, got, I've, got, I've got a paragraph that I've worked on quite hard you do but... this I'm proudly <laughs> gonna hear you out <laughs> though I'm actually probably just gonna um well I'll just flag out a few little bits because when we're thinking about advertising and we've, we've kind of alluded to it right just then like advertising is inescapable in modern society and plays a major role in contemporary culture shaping and influencing the zeitgeist and i think the thing about advertising is that it's omnipresent like it's everywhere it's like the branding on your water bottle that you've got there it's like the clothes that you wear they've got a label on them it's and then like the advertising the images you see and then i think it's good sometimes we separate traditional media and and social media Mm -hmm. and and there's good reason for that in terms of a lot of social media can be um user created but there's also a lot of advertising on social media especially when you're thinking about instagram youtube Mm. um i mean i don't know the percentages but like how much of that is advertising whether that's through like hashtag ad paid promotions or stuff is gifted yeah Um, there's a lot of overlap yeah yeah there's a gray area definitely a lot a lot of overlap and then advertising is a huge business right it's last year this is my stats from the phd so oh oh, you ready are you ready ready. so last year in 2018 i don't even know how to say this number 500 (laughs) 558 billion us dollars was spent globally on advertising and the uk is the fourth largest advertising market with a spend of 
23.6 billion pounds on advertising last year wow so a lot of money is spent more money interestingly well maybe not even interestingly because it's i don't think it's surprising a lot more money of that advertising spend is directed at social media Mm -hmm. so again it's why we need to be really savvy when we are on instagram or whatever that a lot of it there's money behind it there's industry behind it and the purpose of advertising we have to remember is to to sell brands products and services through communication whether that's yes yeah whatever they are yeah exactly and then the consequence of that is that advertising influences uh, public attitudes behavior beliefs through you know either explicitly or implicitly nice work there we go Seems like your PhD is coming along <laughs> very nicely. I like this. My, my little uh, 101 on advertising. Yeah. Um, Some but, good stats. Like, I mean, I love a stat, obviously. Yeah. Love a stat. Helpful. Always. A good, a good fact in your back pocket. It's always useful. When, you, when you know how to read the numbers out. <laughs> <laughs> when it's more than double digits, I do struggle a lot. I, I, I do no. as well, yeah. Bit, me, bit hard. me too, me too. So, anyway, but I think the, the thing is, the point of my PhD... When I, so looking at fashion, advertising, beauty for big major brands, if there, there's huge money behind it, then there's responsibility that should come attached. And then what then, and this is like almost the title of my, <laughs> oh my God, I, I feel like I'm being obnoxious, but like the title, plug, plug I know, <laughs> no one's going to read it. So I'm just going to weave it in here. Is, um, it thinks, so the, the, the point of the PhD was to look at how we can harness the power of big business for positive change on body image. And this is a very good segue to talking about Project Show Us because I think that's a really powerful example of that. Yeah, definitely. And I completely agree. I think it's time to hear from our first guest, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, we had Hannah Burns come and visit us at the car offices in Bristol. So I was able to catch up with her and Philippa in person, which was lovely. Don't always, that's a bit of a treat. Don't always get that it's nice I like it because you get that kind of face-to-face in the same room I don't know where I'm going with this but yeah yeah no it's it's nice it's nice and I always get a bit stressed when I'm doing an interview over the phone or Skype because you know it might go a bit you know trying to concentrate on two things I hate it when they hang up (laughs) 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 not naming any names no I'm joking (laughs) Um, so regular listeners of the podcast will be familiar with Philippa Nadia's PhD supervisor, <laughs> PhD plug again, why not, um, um, professor in psychology here at the Centre for Appearance Research and she leads the CAR slash Dove Self-Esteem Project partnership team of researchers responsible for co-creating and evaluating body image interventions including school and youth group workshops, animated cartoons for children, gaming apps, ebooks, websites, the list goes on. There's yeah. a lot there. It's great. <laughs> uh, and then Hannah, Hannah Burns is a graduate from Cambridge with over seven years experience working for Unilever. So currently, as Dove's global marketing manager, Hannah leads communication development for Dove's master brand globally, which involves defining the brand strategy and leading global campaigns to make a positive impact to women and girls. It's also probably worth mentioning that Dove is Unilever's biggest personal care brand worth five billion euros so she's kind of managing a big mm. a big big thing I, I didn't there. know that I did not know yeah that. so then in relation to this episode Hannah was the driving force behind the creation and launch of Project Show Us and she didn't want me to say this but uh, 
I think we make the rules on the podcast. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> this year, she was awarded a Rising Stars Award by Social Media Week. Also, I don't think we mentioned actually earlier, Project Show Us won, uh, won a Cannes Lion Award, which is a big deal in the world of advertising. That, yeah, sounds great. So just before we hear from Hannah and Philippa, we're going to play a couple of clips from some of the Project Show Us promo throughout the episode. Little spoiler there. And we will link to a few of the videos on YouTube. So you should also check out Project Show Us on Instagram. I think hashtag show us. And, I think so. Yeah. And if you work in advertising, please also use this resource. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Actually, if I don't know how many people in advertising do listen to the podcast, but yeah. If you do. If you do. Please plug it in. Be great. No more stock images of women laughing at salad. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> Just... Weird, no. isn't it? Why? Weird. So many of them as well. So when you many. said it as well, I really could picture it. That just says a lot, doesn't it? Mm. <laughs> 70% of women still say they do not feel represented in either media or advertising. You can't be what you can't see. Dove is proud of what we've done in our advertising, showcasing a broad diversity of women, but we know that it's not enough and we know that we can't do it alone. That's why we've partnered with Getty Images and Girlgate. What's so important about this particular campaign is that we've been able to highlight and photograph women and girls all over the world who don't generally get seen. As image professionals, we have the responsibility to authentically reflect society and to help trigger social change. Project Show Us is the largest stock photo collection of women, created by women, to challenge beauty stereotypes. If I can break the stereotype and change it one photo at a time, I will do it as long as I can. The skin condition, it was not perceived as beautiful. The beauty standards don't define me. In a country like India, if you're gay, if you're bisexual, people will instantly judge you. But Monisha, she doesn't care. I want to see a lot of unity in women to come together, create an awareness. We want to see people that look like us and more than anything, being able to relate. I don't see women that look like me with my complexion, with my hijab. People who are like don't understand what it is like to be modern and trendy. Quería mostrar al mundo mujeres que son seguras de sí misma. Deborah me ha ayudado con problemas de mi cuerpo. Los medios no debería de lucrar con el que tú te sientas mal contigo. Aspiracional, que tú te sientas bien contigo mismo. I wanted to share with the world unique beauty. I like for women to embrace their age and enjoy every time period of their life. Son mis родителi, они y они меня заставляли быть более женственной. Nos mostrem más mujeres que se parezcan conmigo. Покажите нам таких как я. Show us. Show us. Show us more women who look like me and you. Hannah, Philippa, thank you so much for joining me on Appearance Matters, the podcast. It's really great to have you both. 
Great to be here. Nice to be back. Excellent. I thought we could start, because there's two of you, if you could just give me like a one-line intro. And maybe Hannah, we start with you. Yeah, so hi, um, I'm Hannah Burns. I'm a global marketing manager for Dove. Um, So I work at Unilever, which Mm -hmm. owns the Dove brand. And um, the last couple of years, I've been working on a big project called Project Show Us, which is all about changing um, female representation in media and advertising. Brilliant. And that's what we're going to be speaking about today. So we've got absolutely the perfect person. And then Philippa? Hi, everyone. My name's Philippa Diedrix. I'm a professor in psychology here in the Centre for Appearance Research uh, and have the privilege of working with Nadia and Hannah all the time on lots uh-huh. of different exciting projects. So it's nice to be here and talk about this. Awesome. Brilliant. So why don't we kick off with Hannah, if you explain what Project Show Us is. Sure. So I guess um, so Project Show Us all started out, um, we as Dove were aware that um, there's not enough diversity in media and advertising uh-huh. out there in the world. This has been something that we've been aware of for a long time, and I think many people will know the campaign for Real Beauty, which started out in 2004. So it's something that we have been really looking to improve in terms uh-huh. of the way that women um, and non-binary people are represented in media. Um, we did a big piece of research about a year ago now, which told us actually that things aren't getting better. We had hoped that, you know, we were paving the way and other mm-hmm. brands had been getting involved and starting to do diversity in a more effective way in their communication and their advertising. But actually the research that we did told us that still 70% of women do not feel represented in the images that they see every day. Mm-hmm. So that's the images that yeah. we're all surrounded by. Um And that really affects people. So it can give them anxiety, it can affect their body image, um, and it can actually hold people back from normal opportunities in life. And that can be anything like going on a date, going for a job interview, um, all of those everyday things that we all want to have access to. So um, we wanted to solve the problem, Mm -hmm. basically. um, And that's where Project Show Us came in. What we realised is that we can keep doing advertising um, and show women in a kind of more real and diverse way but it would be much better if we got the whole industry to change with us yeah so we partnered with getty images um, they're the biggest stock photo library in the world stock photography is basically a resource that any advertiser can use mm-hmm. um, most of the images that we see in and around the world come from stock photo libraries so we approached them and we basically said everybody's buying imagery from mm-hmm. you so wouldn't it be amazing if we could create a resource together that enabled that imagery to be more representative. Um, and that's what we did. So we went out onto the ground in mm-hmm. 39 countries. 39. 39 uh-huh. countries, so huge global diversity. We employed female photographers um, yeah. and non-binary photographers from an organisation called Girl Gaze. Mm-hmm. Um, and we basically said, go and find real women like me and you um, who deserve to be seen and deserve to be represented. Mm-hmm. Let's take their photos and let's put them in a collection Um, that any brand and advertiser can use to change the face of beauty kind of all across the world, basically. Mm -hmm. So obviously we as Dove will use the photography, but Project Show Us is essentially an invitation to the whole industry to start to change the way we do things and to help that 70% of women who don't Mm -hmm. feel represented start to feel seen as they're walking around in their day-to-day lives. Yeah, brilliant. And I think that's what's what's really interesting to me about this project is that it's not just Dove to benefit, right? It's how you're going to advance the the entire industry, which I think is, to, well, to me, it sounds like a new way of thinking from a, a brand point of view, because I think generally when we think about brands, we think about 
everything being competitive and everything being your own and this is something that seems to be okay let's move the whole industry forward so I think that's it seems quite unique in that way yes I mean yeah. we like to think so I mean we're, we're actually hopeful that other brands will start to take uh-huh. action yeah. um, and when you talk about it being unique I suppose it is it's it's new for Dove in the yeah. sense that we have taken action for girls and we've mm-hmm. been working on the Dove self-esteem project now for 15 years mm-hmm. and going out and educating girls in self-esteem and improving their body image. Um, but this is the first time we've taken real action for women to make a change in society in mm-hmm. the type of imagery that they're seeing. Um, and the reason that we're doing that is because we, we've just realised that as brands we have a responsibility not just to talk about things anymore but actually to start to take a stand and take action to make a difference in the world Um, and I think that can be beneficial for people obviously but also for us as businesses people will perceive us um, in a much more relevant way and I think we can bring more credibility to the work that we're doing if we do things which are real and meaningful and actually have a real impact on people's lives. So actually as Dove we're taking action in three ways Mm -hmm. not just through Project Show Us for women and that work I mentioned we're also taking action for girls with the Dove Self-Esteem Project. Sure. We're the biggest provider of self-esteem education in the world. We work very closely with your team at the Centre yeah. for Appearance Research, which is really exciting. And then actually a new area that we've been expanding into is the action we're taking for the planet. So right. we did a big launch last year around being um, the biggest brand to be completely cruelty-free mm-hmm. and do no animal testing. Um, and then other areas in there, so sustainable plastics and other things like that. So three pillars, girls, mm-hmm. women and planet. There are big sort of strategic focuses for us as a brand. Yeah, and again, this is really interesting to me because I think it's it's broadening out that authenticity piece where it's like if we're showing that we care as a brand, you can't just care on one objective, right? It's kind of having a, a, a bigger view on being a caring entity within society right like it's definitely that corporate citizenship yeah uh, I'm not just saying you care but actually really going out and and proving it Um, and I think it was interesting because the research that we did um, with Philippa for Project Show Us what we heard is that um, women really really do want to see brands taking a stand so some of the stats that we heard um, eight in ten women said that they wished media and advertisers did a better job of how they portray women um, in terms of diverse appearance Um, And actually seven in ten were saying that they do want brands to start taking responsibility for the images that they show in media. So we're not just doing it for the sake of it. I think we're hearing our consumers everywhere are calling for change and probably starting to walk away from brands that aren't doing the right thing towards brands which are. So we really want to respond to that demand from people. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. So I think this is probably a good point to bring Philippa in because I know even going back to your PhD, you've done a lot to work on representation in advertising and media. Why do you see this as so important and such a, an exciting step? Like why is having representative images important? important. Yeah. Um, as you say, it's quite surreal for me to be um, doing this podcast episode. I've just realised for lots of different reasons, all the connections. So I started my PhD back in 2006 and, you know, I had a very lofty goal as a PhD student basically was to change the appearance ideal of societal standards of beauty for women. Um, and I was like, how do you go about doing that? And I actually read a paper by um, another car researcher, Emma Halliwell, where she, in her PhD, she'd looked at the use of what was then called average size models. Mm-hmm. So diverse body sizes. And I thought that was really cool and wanted to expand that. 
And in my research, I was really interested in not just as what is the impact of this diversity in media on body image, because we know, we knew from decades of research that when women and girls in particular are exposed to narrow representations mm -hmm. of beauty in the media, it makes them feel worse about their, body, their bodies. And that's been shown in hundreds of studies. You can see the meta-analyses mm -hmm. on that. What we didn't have as much evidence, though, is what happens when people see greater representation or more diversity. And I was thinking, you know, if we want to convince brands and companies or people who have the control of the media landscape for change, we need to go to them with a viable alternative and evidence that it works and evidence that's not just meaningful for us in terms of from the health perspective or the benefits for body image, but actually some of the outcomes that are relevant to businesses, like how consumers respond. Do they do they respond positively to brands who showcase more diversity? So I did it in a much more crude way, obviously, in my PhD with no resources and found, though, that when women and men looked at more diverse sized models, they not only felt better about their bodies compared to when they saw the traditional beauty stereotypes, but those ads were perceived to be equally as effective. The next step, though, I found mm -hmm. that research is how does you actually implement in that in action. And what's really exciting for me about this after a number of years of working with Dove through the Centre for Appearance Research on the more education side of things, which Hannah was talking about through the Dove Self-Esteem Project, is actually getting to work with a brand on a massive campaign like this, which, as you said, mm -hmm. Nadia, is not just about one brand's images, because also, you know, um, I've uh, talked about this issue for a long time, and Dove used to come up all the time in my PhD research, because I think at the time we're one of the only brands in this mm -hmm. space doing this, and I think we do see more brands doing it, but we still don't certainly see enough. And so what is really exciting about this for me is it's not just Dove imagery, but it's out there for everyone to mm -hmm. use because that's when you see if, if it's only one brand doing it, it's never going to result in enough change. It can do some things and that's what's exciting about it because the evidence shows that when you see greater representation and diversity, it makes people feel seen, validated, and it makes them feel better about themselves. Yeah, completely. And I think that's where my PhD ties in. Yes, I forgot I that know. loop because that was I the know. next loop that not only, and then what we've been, or you've been working yeah. on in your PhD, which is the next step again. Right, with, with speaking yeah. to people in advertising, fashion and beauty, and actually going back to the stock images, definitely people in advertising were saying to me, one of the barriers which makes things difficult to do inclusive work is that there's not the images to do it so if you're working within the restraint that you have to rely on stock images and there's no diverse stock images then you're you're in a bind because if you don't have the budget to then be like okay we're going to do a whole new photo shoot yeah. um you don't have the budget you don't have the time if you're not the one who's making all those like top level decisions then you have to work with what you're given and if you don't have the diversity in what you're given so that's why i think this is so exciting because it makes it accessible to everyone and it trickles down so the people who are executing on, you know, like your billboards or whatever it is that you need a stock image for, yeah. there's, there's a resource. Well, it's reducing, day. I think, one less barrier. And if I was to be yeah. really mean, one less excuse for right, why you right. can't kind of show more diversity. Because I just have thought of this now, but when I was like talking to people informally, not the systematic way that you've done, Nadia, in your research, where you've kind of systematically interviewed a big sample of people working in business about this, but was more kind of one-on-one -on -one interactions and talking about the results of my research. One of the kind of pushback points, well, Dove's already done that. So why would any other brand do that? Because there's no competitive advantage to that. And I think maybe it's a shift in maybe how marketing works. I don't know, Hannah, you're the expert. Um, but And I know we're going to get onto this to talk about how these images have been used. Mm. 
But this is such a great example of why, you know, that is not a valid valid argument. And I even used to say to them then, I was like, okay, so you're not going to show more diversity because one brand's showing it. So you're going to do what every other brand is doing and not show diversity. Like it's yeah, this ridiculous argument. Ideal. Exactly. Like, and I think probably even, Philippa, maybe since you've done your PhD, I'd love to almost redo that research yeah. because mm. I think probably, you know, the tables have turned a little bit. Um, things have moved on and we've seen it's certainly not just stuff anymore certainly we were the pioneers back in 2004 but lots of other people have joined us and that's a brilliant thing and we kind of want to wrap our arms around those other people and thank them because mm. this is not just a business case it's also a moral case for sort of doing the right thing for people and doing the right thing for women and how we represent them and I think more and more as we see more diversity around us in the type of imagery um, which we consume people start to notice those that aren't doing it and become more demanding yeah. of them to to kind of react and to catch up, I suppose. Um, one thing I did just want to talk about a little bit more is um, the, this idea of, you know, do diversity. I think mm-hmm. we all look at it, we're sat here in the UK, potentially with more of a kind of westernised view on it. One of the things which we took really, really seriously when we were creating this collection was to try to remove that element of bias. Mm-hmm. So... Um, we did research on the ground in the countries that where we were shooting to understand what does diversity mean in that country. So mm-hmm. we were looking at demographics, ethnicity, um, body shape and size, because of course it differs and it's very mm-hmm. different to what it might be here versus India or Brazil. Mm-hmm. And then we actually got photographers who are from those countries and who live there and who know people and understand the nuances of those societies. Mm-hmm to go out and take the photography for us. So I think that was a really important thing. This is not sort of a westernised advertising agency who might be sat in in New York taking photography on a stage set. This is a real woman on the ground in Mumbai holding her camera, walking around a city that she knows with people that she's exposed to every day. And only she will really Mm -hmm. know what it means to capture a diverse kind of section of the the female population in that country. So I think that's really important. Right, and it's about disrupting the ideal in that location right so then it's, yeah it becomes more salient to the people who are who are looking at those images so I think that 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 is something really cool about it and I think the other bit is how um and Hannah you can talk to this but how the women in the advertisements weren't passive to the whole process as well mm-hmm. so instead of just being employed standing in front of a camera and being directed they got to take ownership over how they were portrayed as well. I don't know if you want to share how you guys did that. There was a few elements. Part of it was, you know, first of all, not showing them in a passive way, so making Mm -hmm. sure that we captured them in action, living their real lives. So we would never capture them in a studio. We would capture them if they were a doctor. We'd capture them in a hospital while they were working. So it was the essence of kind of who they really were coming through. And then the other brilliant part of this, which I think nobody's ever done before, we actually handed over um, the kind of tagging approach to the women and when I say tagging what I'm talking about is when we search for things on Google or when we search for things on Getty there's loads of words which are tagged onto those images which help them come up and become visible like in the, the algorithms like, yeah the keywords yeah. exactly and we basically said to women do you know what you need to define yourself this is sort of the ultimate authenticity of only you can really tell us what your beauty means to you what mm-hmm. stereotypes you're breaking and um, how you want to be seen and, and how you want to be defined literally the tags which will be associated Mm -hmm. with your image write them for us Mm -hmm. and um, we will then go and put those into Getty so now if I'm on Getty images and I'm searching show us and maybe I'm looking for a picture of I don't know uh, a pregnant woman 
that woman who might come up that that's kind of what she wants to be mm-hmm. that's what she wants to be seen as or um maybe i'm searching lesbian mm-hmm. that woman has called herself a lesbian she's proud she that's how it. she wants to be shown um so every single tag and every single search keyword in the algorithm has been written by the woman herself so i think that's really yeah. exciting because it's a total reversal of the power model rather than power coming from the advertising exec yeah. or something like that. It is power from the, you know, grassroots out on the ground, the people themselves. So I think that was brilliant. It sounds brilliant. What was the response when, when that was all happening? Did you get a lot of feedback at the time from the women, from the photographers, from the models? Did Is that new for them? Did that feel like a, a new experience? Yeah, I think so. Um, it's amazing, actually, because throughout this whole process, I think I probably learned every single photographer's name, every uh-huh. single woman's name this became really really personal for all of us and even though we're all based in different parts of the world it felt like a a joint mission and kind of a sisterhood that we were all part of and we were working on together Um, and I think the the power of that was actually when we came to launch so we launched at the start of April Mm -hmm. this year 2019 Usually as a big brand, you'd have to do a lot of paid advertising and you have to push right. your messages out. So you might do paid posts on social media or, or whatever it is. And people talking talk about things going viral. Mm-hmm. And it's very hard to achieve that um, without putting a lot brand, of money behind yeah. things. Yeah. yeah, or unless they're really, really interesting. Um, and what we saw was actually we had this entire community of advocates across the whole world in mm. all these different 39 mm-hmm. countries who absolutely loved this, who had been part of it from day one. And they came out in support of us. They came out in, um, to drive the movement further. Mm-hmm. And people were using hashtag show us across the whole world instantly um, on social media. So if you go onto Instagram now and search for that hashtag, there's over 700,000 mentions, um, yeah. which is incredible. And you'll see if you scroll right back, there's a lot of stuff happening from Dove at the start of the year. Mm-hmm. But since then, that hashtag is now being used across a whole range of different topics kind of within feminism, activism, all sorts of different Mm -hmm. conversations and it's being used in a really wide-ranging way. So that's really exciting because I feel like we're contributing something into culture Mm -hmm. and into society so there is a net positive impact because that conversation about representation is happening, you know, where the dove's involved or not, that is almost, that's really important. And I think that's actually really true because I was one of the, you know, because I had um, got to work with you guys when you were developing the initial idea for it and working out how to execute it and stuff. And I remember when it came out and seeing some of the images, the sense of pride, and um, I was following along on Instagram and then started seeing all the photographers who had taken the images, (laughs) the women who were in the images, then kind of people from Getty Images who had worked on the project, then you guys at Unilever who had worked on the project, then some of the different creative agencies that were involved in the process of helping you guys realize it. And you could tell everyone just felt this kind of genuine sense of pride. And I remember, um, yeah, yeah, the passion. I remember, I don't know. I don't even know who this person was, but I saw her post and it was when some of the images went up in times square Mm -hmm. and she was saying, Oh, you know, when you're in ad school, they always talk hypothetically. You'll create a campaign and it'll be in mm-hmm. it'll be in Times Square, and here it was. And I was like, wow, you know, I, for me, like I said, it was yeah. such a milestone. Me coming from the PhD and the academic angle of wanting to see that diversity mm-hmm. and then being able to work to make it happen. Uh, but it's, I think that's a really kind of interesting, also take home message about all of this is that when businesses do good, the people who are, there are people behind those brands and businesses. Mm-hmm. And, you know, how that much that drives you then to do better work as well. And also 
I know this is kind of um, maybe a little bit off piece, but one of the things that I've noticed working with you guys at Dove is um, the amount of diversity that's on your teams, like international diversity, mm-hmm. which I love as mm-hmm. well, because Unilever, you, you all move around onto different brands in different countries and regions. But also what struck me about a couple of the projects we've worked with um, we've worked together with, so Project Show Us, but also some work, you know, the work we did with Cartoon Network and stuff like that. So when you take a moment to reflect, I love how it's often been women behind the scenes and all the different domains really leading the charge on these yeah, projects. And I, d- <laughs> and I, yeah, and I don't think that's a coincidence as well yeah. then about how much they then get that kind of, that global response from women saying they love this stuff. Yeah, I think it's also because we understand the issue and it's true to who we are yeah. as well. So we've got that passion to go even yeah. further when it comes to creating a solution. Yeah, definitely. So yeah, I yeah. completely agree. And that kind of circles back again to my work in terms of when I've been speaking to people in fashion, advertising and beauty about barriers and they all say, well, you know, at the top level you've got a group of guys in the C-suite and they don't have that nuanced understanding. A group of guys, or... that's a nice way of putting it. <laughs> White middle-aged men. Well, it, well, exactly right, and it's how these systems get replicated, right? So then, actually, by changing who you have in the room, who you have making the decisions, that's how we see change trickle down all the way through. And I think this is a really good example of, of what some of the people I was speaking to were saying, right? Like, yeah. Um, well, I do, I do think it's changing who makes the decisions, but I also think it's the way we went about it in terms mm-hmm. of partnership. Yes, because yeah. we always said we can't do this alone and yeah. we've been trying to since 2004 mm-hmm. and we've made a lot of progress but there's still a hell of a lot more that we need to do um, and that's why we were sort of we need to go and partner with Getty Images mm-hmm. because they've got the scale Girl Gaze have got the network of female identifying photographers yeah. who are in all of these different countries and then obviously Dove has got the kind of brand credibility and yeah. the ability to push this campaign and get loads of awareness around Project Show Us yeah. and I think it was only really the coming together of those three parts which mm-hmm. which gave which get, turned it into what it is um and now the next step obviously is even more people we need them to use the imagery yeah so why that's maybe that's a good point to to ask about that who's using the imagery has anyone what, downloaded the yeah. images have yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. After all that got this, work got this brilliant um so, bank of because i think also just to it'd be great you were explaining stock images but for people who don't work for brands or in media and advertising how do they actually get used? So where might they be used? Most magazines, for instance, use stock photography. Mm-hmm. You might not think it. They are doing their mm-hmm. own shoots as well. But many, many magazines, most of the photography that you see is stock photography. So they're getting it from these libraries mm-hmm. and they're basi- yeah. basically licensing an image. Um, most websites that we go on, if you're looking at the news, mm-hmm. um, maybe if you're looking at BBC News, for instance, most of those photographs are from stock image libraries and they will say in the corner, perhaps they say Reuters, perhaps they say Getty, they'll be from one of these libraries. Mm-hmm. And um, could it also be brands who aren't going to do like a whole shoot to create yeah, so lots like of an image brands, or something? Yeah, smaller brands, not even that small. I think most brands actually, even lots of Unilever brands, we use stock photography because it's cheaper and it's more efficient so we, mm-hmm. we don't have to create a bespoke shoot. Yeah. We can just go on to Getty Images and let's say we're trying to sell a toothbrush, we can, we can search for somebody brushing their teeth and there will be instantly thousands yeah. of photos that we can choose from. Um, so... I think we'd all be surprised just how many photos do come from these stock photo libraries in in our daily lives. I'll talk a bit more mm. about who is using the collection, but I just want to give a live example because this one really kind of hit home for me. Um, one of the women that we shot, her name's Menaz. She lives in Toronto. She um, is a scientist. Um, she works at the University of Toronto. 
and so she's Canadian and she wears a hijab every day to work and she's really proud of being somebody who's kind of disrupting what it means what it looks like to be a scientist um and she wears her lab coat and she wears her hijab really proudly so she was in the collection mm-hmm. and um, really, really strangely, she um, was actually on her way to work, commuting to work in Toronto and was in the metro oh my God. and saw herself <laughs> in an advert for a bank, wow. Scotia Bank. It's the third biggest bank in Canada. Um, and she's there on this huge poster in the metro on the stop right near Toronto University where she works. And she's like literally in the, in, you know, in the place where she wants to finally feel represented and be seen. Mm-hmm right outside her science department she finally is and you're starting to see women that look like her and she's saying show us more women that look like me show us female scientists who wear a hijab brilliant you know there there she is um and then just yesterday i was reading stylist magazine when Mm -hmm. i was on the tube in london i flicked open to a page and there was another picture of manaz Right. She was being used in a different article. It was actually in relation to various policies happening in Sweden yeah. within pharmaceuticals. But she's she was there again, and it just felt kind of spooky. But this is how stock photography works. Yeah. It can be used anywhere and everywhere. So to be specific on how far this collection yeah. has gone, um, 2,081 companies have already started using photos from the collection. Um, and they are... Huge, huge companies. I'm not going to name their names, but yeah. think about who you might choose if you want to book a little flat in a city abroad if you're going on holiday. <laughs> think about um, some brands that probably make many of the phones that we own, um, big sports brands, probably uh-huh. the brand, the trainers that you're wearing right now. Um, <laughs> these kind of brands, so really, really big names, yeah. are using this photography yeah, in their campaigns and in their uh, on their websites and things like that. So t- over 2,000 companies. And it's actually not just in certain countries. We've seen companies from 51 countries using the imagery. So that just goes to show we say diverse. It really Mm -hmm. is. And there's that demand from everywhere in the world. Um, And the other really good thing is that 80% of the collection has now been downloaded, which goes to show Mm -hmm. there's a lot of photography in there, but it's working and it's commercially viable because that's really important. We have to make sure that what we created um, there was a demand for it because otherwise it won't get used. So the fact that already 80% is out there in the world um, is huge for us. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're also very aware that we can't stop there because we have to keep it fresh and we have to keep growing it so that there's always new content for companies to come and use. Um, so that's what we want to do next. That's incredible. Before we wrap up, Philippa, do you have anything you want to add? Um, I think just what... <sighs> it's kind of when we do all this research, we think about it in the abstract. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes it can be challenging to see how we can translate that to actually have benefit. And I think I'm always um, just as researchers to challenge ourselves to get out of our kind of comfort zones and our mm-hmm. offices and make those connections. And sometimes it can see, seem overwhelming, like how would you ever – you know, um, change kind of a media landscape and things like that. And I think we have a lot of value to bring to projects like this because we have an evidence base and an understanding of, you know, in psychology, some of the processes. And I'd encourage people to think about for the researchers listening and the, and the students as well about how the work that we do might be of benefit to others mm-hmm. and how by forming, gen- I don't mean just go and partner with anyone, um, because there are, you know, instances where businesses will take advantage of the credibility of researchers and academics in the space. And um, But if there are genuine partnerships, I just think that some of the 
the most the best projects I've done in my research career, of which Project Show Us is one of them, um, have been done through those partnerships, mm-hmm. not just with businesses, although that has been the case for me with Dove, but also other community organisations and the reward that you get of kind of seeing that impact mm-hmm. um, and to find those like-minded people and that, you know, also for the advocates out there and the activists, use this as evidence to kind of show even more that mm-hmm. People want to see this and it can be commercially viable um, and successful. Um, And, you know, there are less and less excuses, I think, for advertisers and media to not showcase um, greater representation and diversity and inclusion. And so Mm -hmm. um, this is a great example of that as well. And um, I've just come up with loads more research ideas to ask about while we're doing like (laughs) who downloads what and how are they being used and then how can we maximise that even more. Um, And, you know, we're going to actually be, um, hopefully, if our abstract gets accepted for presentation, Mm -hmm. talking about um, some of the research we did to actually evaluate the impact of these images on women's body image at Appearance Matters 9 next July. Brilliant. So that's something we can come back on. Yeah. Wonderful. Well, thank you both so much. It's been a really uh, firing conversation. I think it's very energising thinking what can happen when, as we've kind of keep coming back to, when partnerships come together and there's a common goal of creating change for girls and young women and yeah. around the world. Sure. Brilliant. Thanks. Thank you so Great. much. Thank Thanks you. for having us. Girl, you're so young, but you see everything. What if we could show you a vision of beauty where no woman or girl were excluded? Onde toda a pele é bonita. Where we're shown exactly the same as everyone else. Что женственность может быть сильной. Because if we show you a world where every woman is seen, then girl, you'll show us all. really important that there's at least one kid who can like see themselves in me. People have this idea that you have to be brave to be who you are. It would mean so much not to be seen as different. I'm glad that some little girl is going to see me and think I could run that boardroom. So shall we go straight on to Rebecca then, waste no time? Yeah, I think that's a good idea. Um, so I spoke to Rebecca the other week on Zoom 
Um, actually, would love a face to face with her, like a, a sit down, three hours. Oh, you know, proper long chat. We were a bit pressed for time when we were talking, and um, I think I was at that like combination of being overtired <laughs> looking at me funny <laughs> overtired and overexcited and you know how I get I just she, everything she was saying was so interesting and I just kept being like forgot all the questions that I wanted to ask I had a whole list but they all went out the window and I was like wait tell me about that oh wait hang on a sec on a tangent like yeah really yeah, going yeah. for it yeah because it was just so interesting and that's why I can't think we need a whole big long sit down um I think also, be yeah. Also, she um, she was she was so nice, and I told her at the end about my PhD, and she was like very empathetic. She'd done a PhD, ah. um, and you know, really uh, was really understanding, and I I appreciated that a lot. That goes a you long know, way. You know, she understood the plight yeah. that we go through, yeah. and um, you know, I thought she was great. I thought she was great, and she um, so a little bit of a intro, okay, to her. She is. The global head of create, so she's the global head of creative insights at Getty Images, and as I mentioned, she's got a PhD in commercial photography trends, which is like really interesting, isn't it? It's like, yeah. Sounds like, I was like, oh, this is new. What, what does that mean? What is, even is that? It's a lot um, to discuss. I know, a lot to that. discuss. So anyway, so we spoke about that tiny bit, um, as well as the work she does, um, and I saw an interview that with her recently, and I thought this was really interesting. That she's quoted as saying, as a senior female creative I feel a responsibility to make change for the next generation I think that really shines through in the work that she does um and I'm actually going to link to that to that interview feature that was written by Nicola Kemp for Byte because uh, I liked it and I thought it was good and you know I like that I'd, quote a lot yeah. yeah and she was very um very fun to talk to so I hope you enjoy Rebecca thank you so much for joining me on Appearance Matters the podcast I've been so excited to speak with you Hello, hello, nice to meet you. <laughs> Great. Um, so you're the global head of creative insights at Getty Images. Yeah, right. it is, yeah. Excellent. I wondered if you could give our listeners a bit of an introduction to what that is and what you do at Getty. Yeah, sure. So um, Getty Images, for, for those that don't know, is a uh, global photo agency and we are responsible for photographing filming illustrating um pretty much anything you can you can you can name really i mean we work uh, a lot in the um entertainment space we work a lot mm-hmm. with the celebrities on on the red carpets and oscars that kind of thing we um we're big in sports so we are the official photographers for the olympics and fifa and the rugby and um again you know we i think we do something like 160 um thousand events every year um that we cover big and small mm-hmm. um we also uh, do a lot of news photography for right. um the newswire and uh for, for news media and we also work in um, advertising brand marketing communications um uh and and uh, working with ad agencies and, and creative agencies as well so my job is that I kind of sit right in the middle of things. So um, I have a team of visual researchers um, who are based in London, uh, New York and Tokyo. And we are responsible for understanding visual language, mm-hmm. mostly commercial visual language. So how how are companies, brands, um, uh, the media talking about 
themselves how do they promote what they do um what kind of imagery are they choosing to do that and then the other part and, and obviously that then informs our creative direction of our business you know mm -hmm. how we shoot stuff who we shoot with uh what parts of the world we shoot in and and what what we're actually shooting um and then the other part of our job is is kind of evangelization and outreach and education of our customers we work with well over a million customers worldwide uh, pretty much every brand name you can mm -hmm. imagine and um they don't always make the best choices when it comes to imagery and so helping them be more thoughtful about their choices and the impact that their choices have on their viewers and the audience and the world at large um one of the biggest issues that we're finding with brands in in today's market is that they are churning out images on a daily basis whether that's in social media or on their own platforms um, and not a huge amount of thought is given to those images versus mm -hmm. what they might put out in a big brand advertising campaign. But actually, for most consumers, their experience of a brand is probably what they see popping up on their Instagram or their Facebook or, you know, um, or Twitter feeds. Um, and so, uh, yeah, a lot of what we do is, is, is thinking about that. Okay, so that's really interesting. So there's also a, a consultant aspect of Getty Images working with brands, so brands being your customers, as you, as you said, to then kind of like, can you steer them in a direction of, of how they use your images? Yeah, and it's interesting how that part of our job has evolved, really. I mean, you know, my team has traditionally been responsible for determining what we're going to shoot mm -hmm. um, and guiding our internal creative teams to, to get that content in. Um, but but obviously, as, as big data has become you know, the thing that, uh, yeah. that everybody's talking about. We obviously have really big data. We, we can see how uh, beauty brands are choosing images and the types of images that they're, that they're selecting from the many millions that are available. That actually is really interesting. And, and um, you know, especially when we start talking about issues around representation. Yeah. Um, you know, we actually have more power than I think we realised um, in terms of guiding that content and, and guiding the you know the customer to that content um, which we we didn't do as a business for for you know for many years and, and have done more recently yeah that's fascinating and I didn't really think about getting images in that way at all but as you say like if having that data that's so powerful in terms of then thinking what people are using and and, and maybe how to use it use the images that you have in, in, in a better kind of way so that is that's really interesting and and so I've heard that you've done a PhD on commercial photography trends. So you've got like a background in this kind of really coming through. So it's, I wonder if you, you want to say a few words about your PhD there, what insights you've had and maybe how that's informed the work that you do now. Yeah, yeah. And, and I... I got this job in, at Getty in, in, the, in the 1990s uh -huh. <laughs> and have worked in the business since, since, since it started. And, you know, it's huh. 25 years old yeah. um, next year. And we developed this methodology, which was incredibly commercial. It was literally about, OK, well, what do you need to have in an image that makes it successful? Uh, and how do you then create a better version of that? And and then, you know, and how do you develop the, your creativity around a subject um, so that you're able to to make better images for, mm -hmm. for advertising? And as time went on, the, you know, I, I just 
had a lot of conversations with you know journalists and academics mm-hmm. around around our methodology and and started thinking about creating some kind of you know thesis around um, creativity within the commercial photographic industry. The issue I had with academia was that it was highly critical of advertising. Mm-hmm. Um, pretty much everything you read from the 1950s onwards is about um, advertising creating this need and 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 you know conspicuous consumption and right, um, right. And, and this desire to you know to aspire to be something that you're not. Um, but no one had really studied the huge industry that is behind this imagery, the artists and designers and creatives who who put their heart and soul into these images. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know, I think many of them do deserve criticism, but actually there's some amazing images that get created in advertising. You know, if you think about some of the most famous images as, you know, growing up, a lot of those kind of are in your psyche now. If you think, you know, for me it was the Hagen-Dahl campaign in, mm-hmm. in the 90s and the Benetton images and yeah. the Wonder Bra campaign, you know, all of that is, you know, that was kind of the height of, of, of brilliant photography, um, which was all done for advertising. So I wanted to um, create a kind of chronology of advertising imagery that showed how creativity is creativity develops over time in different ways mm-hmm. within the practice of, of creating this imagery but also how it informs how the how the how the industry itself kind of informs the future of the visualization of, of certain um, subject matter so you know most advertising creatives don't get to work on cool stuff they get to work on boring financial campaigns right. and, you know and so how do they how do they imbue their creativity in that how do you make a financial advisor look more creative than than a financial advisor last year or the year before it's mm. it's a really difficult thing to do and so there's a lot of skill that goes into that yeah so i was really that was the thing i was most yeah. interested in and i tracked the um the evolution of uh, technology um, advertising over a 30-year period. So, you know, the launch wow. of computers in the UK and the denationalisation of BT, um, kind of the end of the 70s through to 2009, which was when I um, started the PhD, um, yeah. and looked at kind of the evolution and, and you know, what, what, came, what came next in each instance and what actually influenced that. And then with a view to, okay, well, these are the cycles that happen and, and this is how you kind of future project what, what what's going to come next. Um, so it was really interesting. There wasn't really a place for me in academia. There mm-hmm. was not. <laughs> I was a bit of an, an anomaly because I kind of fit in photography, but, but also I was very much interested in the practice of, of uh, creating advertising. So um, I kind of straddled the, the, the two um, two disciplines, really. So was your background in, in photography to begin with? Uh, no. no. Um, I'm I'm very annoyed. Actually, in fact, I'm I'm talk I'm doing some lectures at university tomorrow, uh-huh. and um, I feel really bad for the poor students on the photography course that I teach on because I I didn't study photography at all. I actually did a degree in English literature, right? And um, ended up working at a photo agency purely by 
um, accident. And it was only through commercial experience that mm-hmm. got me interested in, in studying it academically. Okay, yeah, great. I was just very curious there from, from what you were saying. And and it, it sounds fascinating. So, and, and then, so how do you feel that stock images have evolved? What, like, and you were talking about the future projections. What, mm. what, what, how do you see that playing out? Yeah, again, it's interesting. Just talking from not only, I mean, I didn't study stock very much in my PhD, right. but from my own personal experience, mm. I've been around long enough that we're, you know, I'm starting to see the, the shifts happen. But stock was always like this um, necessary evil. And it was, you know, something that creatives had to use to keep the budget down or because they needed a picture of a sunny day and, you know, it was the middle of winter and and it it fulfilled a purpose. And so creatives would never actually admit to using stock photography. And we work with a lot of famous photographers who also don't admit to shooting stock photography. Mm. But, But actually, as time's gone on, and it's become, you know, part of kind of every company's, you know, it's a necessity really mm-hmm. in terms of, you know, filling the, um, you know, filling the, the needs of, of digital communication. Um, that, you know, we, we, it's kind of, we've done a 180 now and we're, you know, we're now leading the way. And, you know, the, one of the biggest conversations that's happening in the advertising industry right now is around inclusion and representation. Right. And we're doing all of that. But there are, you know, even the most kind of forward thinking, um, thoughtful brands are not quite getting that right. But because of the strengths of numbers and the community that we have, we're able mm. to kind of move a lot quicker than than brands are. They're still kind of having those conversations. We're actually doing mm. it. And I think the Dove collection, you know, the Show Us project yeah. we worked on with, with Dove is a great example of that in that that was a no-brainer to us, so we just went ahead and did it. And I think that, you know, a lot of brands I've spoken to since then are desperate to do something like that with their own imagery, but there are, there's so many levels of approval that they have to go through, and the higher up you go and the, the bigger the numbers become in terms of spending or, or risk, the less likely you are to be able to get it approved. Sure, and that's something that I've because I've spoken to people working both in brands and in advertising agencies, and I think that's something that I've I've heard quite a lot. Where advertising agencies might want to do certain things, and brands will have that barrier there in terms of that approval process. Um, but I'm glad you brought up the project to show us because I was desperate to speak to you about that. So, from Getty's point of view, why was Project Show Us so important? Why did it feel? You said it felt right, but and was a no-brainer, but. But why? Can you say a bit more about that? Yeah, I mean, it's a, you know, for, for a long time, we've been working um, on the depiction of women. Mm-hmm. We, we did a project in 2014 with um, Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook fame and um, and her Lean In organisation. Yeah. She, she wrote a best-selling book called Lean In, yeah. which, which then gave her the opportunity to set up this organisation, which was about business women helping each other and, you know, uh, getting more women into the onto, onto executive boards, etc. And um, and so we've kind of been thinking about it and develop, you know, we've done work around uh, athletes and sport and um, you know, working around the edges. And um, when Dove came with this idea 
of creating, you know, this whole kind of phenomenon and only using female photographers, photographing women. To me, as an academic, mm. that was, you know, incredibly exciting because that's that's great piece of data there. Yeah. <laughs> you know, um, you're not messing it up by having the odd man shoots, you know, a woman. Um, the, you know, that it's it's pure. You know, it's it's female photographers, female models. They work together. They are collaborating on how the woman is shot and how she's written about and and the caption that goes on her on her, on her images. There's no that's end of discussion. You know, end of discussion around women. Uh, you know, ha- having agency over how they appear. Um, women uh, criticizing the media and and advertising photography for. Um, you know, not depicting them in the way that they wish to be shown. This is giving all of the power to women mm-hmm. to, to, to create imagery in this way. So that to me was very exciting. Um, i very aware that there are not enough male photographers in, in the industry. So that was another reason why I really wanted to do this project. But also, you know, in terms of doing my PhD and just, you know, having a a, a history in advertising photography mm-hmm. dove was always the campaign that gets used you know i yeah. think most people who talk about authenticity and and the beginnings of authenticity go back to the 2004 campaign mm-hmm. for real beauty and you know that's a long time ago it was 15 years ago um and it's it's shocking really actually how little there's been since then <laughs> but from from my point of view, to do that project, that was the only brand that, you know, I, just, I, it, I would not have gone. I wouldn't have wanted to do it with any other brand. Oh, really? They're so passionate yeah. about, you know, the representation of women and and, and um, authenticity in all its different forms um, that it felt right. And then obviously meeting the team, um, yeah. getting to know the team, uh, and um, and and the research that they had done with with you guys actually um was just absolutely golden i really you know it was it was a great experience to be exposed to that yeah brilliant and and was there anything that surprised you from working with that collaboration i know it's there was a lot of um effort and energy that went into the the making i think as a as a consumer you see the images from project show us but i know there was a lot that went into it uh, between getty darwin and girl gaze but was there anything that surprised you from from any part of that process or the reaction uh, to it? Yeah, I mean, it surprised me how little understanding there is of our business. Right. Uh, <laughs> in that, you know, the idea was, oh, we'll create this collection and we'll break the search algorithm for stock photography and, and you know, and all of that is way more complicated than you could possibly imagine. Um, this is, you know, that that was a surprise. So there mm-hmm. was a, you know, we went through a, quite a long period of just like working out how we all work and mm-hmm. the things that were important to us, you know, classic kind of yeah. you know, getting to know each other, really. Um, the other thing was the the words that the, the women chose to use to describe themselves. Um, so the models. That was the models. Yeah. That was really fascinating. And, and, and I was so focused on what the images looked like. I wasn't really focusing on the, the words, the copy and the text mm. that went with the images um and how little women describe their physical attributes but uh, uh, but will describe their 
kind of you know how they feel and their emotions and 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 the words that really relate to you know how they deeply feel in terms of their identity yeah that's so that was yeah that is interesting and that's so hannah mentioned that in terms of the tagging element and 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 that process and then for then the interesting point of it not being what you'd maybe see if you just looked at it so if I was the outsider looking and then I, I would make the oh you know it's, and, and maybe be more descriptive on the appearance it was because it was the woman in the shot they had a different um it was more emotive in terms of the words that they were using it's kind of a yeah and, and if you think about you know if you think about um photography in advertising especially yeah. a, a woman is described as a mother if there's something in the image that connects her to motherhood whether right. that's having a child in in the picture or or the accoutrements of, of having a child you know a messy room or, or whatever <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but you know showing a woman who is um i don't know playing squash you know she would not, of course she'd describe herself as a mother because that's part of her identity but mm. it's not a vi- it's not a visual uh, attribution it's it's, it's you know it's um it's it's in her, in her own mind so so that was obviously very interesting and and you know even in our editorial space where we obviously describe you know what is happening that you know we're very you know there's there's obviously rules and ethics around how you describe people and and what's happening Mm -hmm. in in editorial imagery that's all in the that's all in the hands of the photographer and the photographer is only basing that on their knowledge whereas working in this way it's in the hands of the model and and her rich life and history and experiences you know um so it's you're getting closer to the kind of core of a few who a person is or how they or who they think they are um so you know i'd love to spend time analyzing that in mm. detail because it's really really interesting yeah that that is really interesting mm. that yeah the, the, the research again coming out rebecca one final question so you spoke uh, earlier about the inclusion being a, a a focus within advertising right now and I think something that comes up with with the idea of diversity equity inclusion is that it can be a bit of a trend or a bit of a a buzzword and so Mm -hmm. just how you see or how Getty is is making representation a sustainable endeavor particularly to Project Show Us. Yeah and I think I think Project Show Us is a is leading the way I think having that be successful and having a positive outcome from that has given us, you know, I talked about comforts mm. earlier. It's, it's, it's given everybody a sense of purpose. It's, you know, it's, it's given us a sense of pride of who we are and, and what we can achieve as a business. So that then enables us to do other projects. I do mm-hmm. a lot of work in, in disability and, yeah. and, you know, we, we, um, we did a big project on aging, um, which we launched a couple of months ago. And so, so, you know, what starts as focused on women and, and, and how women uh, want to be, um, want to be represented and, and how they represent themselves and then you start building out from that you know we're now thinking about men and children mm. and you know families and 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 so you know you you everything just gets bigger and bigger mm. as, as everybody starts to get get involved in the project and um, 
and that's kind of my hope for the for the future is that everything we do has has the lens of representation in it mm. so that we you know no one gets left behind yep yeah and what a lovely way to end I think that's that's a, a really really good point to, to end on that no one does get left behind in, in the advertising space where it, that feels such a flip to, to what we've traditionally seen. Um, Rebecca, thank you so much for, for speaking to me for the podcast. Wow, you're very welcome. That was great and I can really see why you enjoyed that, Nadia. Big thank you to Rebecca, Hannah and Philippa. It was great for them to all make the time. Um, and that's it, everyone for 2019 on our podcast um this is a wrap (laughs) (laughs) it is it is it is a wrap indeed for 2019 i i can't believe it i mean we're minus words are failing us it's yeah beyond me i don't know about you minus the mince pies and mulled cider that we have oh yeah we we had a little uh party last year didn't we a little party for two podcast party for two it was great and it was great we had santa hats yeah, we did. I made you wear one. It got a bit itchy. You got a bit. Oh shady, yeah. So. Well, it's a bit hot. I was a bit hot. We were in a quite a hot room. Yeah, that's true. Um, so we we need to make We've up for it. Really, like, yeah, deprived ourselves this year. I know. Um, Austerity. We'll make up for it. If you enjoyed 2019 worth of our podcasting, then please rate, review, subscribe. It really does make us happy. Yeah, we love it, and we hope you join us in 2020 for 12 new. Appearance Matters episodes. Exciting. Very exciting. And one podcast for two party. Oh, yeah. Has to happen. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>